Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Uncle Agangan. He's a storyteller, a traditional healer, a carrier of the Kilau uh, from uh, an indigenous, uh, what would we say, an, 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 an indigenous from, from, oh, from, the far north. from the far north, from Greenland. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's your background. Um, so, yeah, I have to say, I've, I've never had somebody with from your background on the show before. I felt honoured to have you here. Uh, I'm really looking forward, and I can tell already that I'm going to learn a great deal uh, in this show. So, uh, welcome, uh, Uncle, <laughs> to the show. Yes, I'm, I'm so happy to meet you, Richard. Uh, uh, sorry, I have not been part to part of your country. I've only been to London and Reading, and and uh, up in Scotland. That's it. Right. I do know that your land is bigger than London. But, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're, I'm, I, I'm I, in the, the southeast, so yeah, you may not have I, ventured I, this far. I, I, I never go anywhere without being invited. That's my issue. That's what I was told by our father, that I should not go without being invited. So, but today I'm talking to you from Dubai. Ah, and uh, and that happened to be my seventy fifth country to work in. Wow, wow! So you've travelled a long way from Greenland. Yes, over your lifetime. Wow. Um, and you were just showing me before we came on camera there the uh, the kilau the the uh, the wind drum, right? Mm-hmm. So your carrier of the wind drum. Maybe we should start there. What what's a wind drum, and what does it mean to be a carrier of one? Yes, you know it. it um... I come from the very far north of the Inuit family. You know, it, I don't know if, if you know how large the land we cover as native people. We are no. the largest landholders of any tribe on earth. Wow. You will call them in the old days the Eskimo. We are the largest landholders of any tribe on earth. We, our land from east to west is 13 time zones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And if you can imagine British Airways 747 flying from the top of Greenland to the island of Newfoundland, that takes more than nine hours. Wow. So it just gives you an idea. And when I say we are the largest landholders of any trap, I really mean it. There's no other trap on earth who, who occupies more land than we do. Right. And, and and what's the name and, and the name of your tribe? Inuit. Oh the Inuit, okay. But you're you're yeah. you're from a how would we describe it, right? But you're Inuit. from a the people Kalashi. Kalashi. People Kalashi, which means the people. Okay. So my my land is known as Kalashi Nunad, which means land of the people. In Inuit land in Canada, it's called uh, Inuit land, you know, it's because that's their land. And in Alaska, it's Inupiaq of the northern Alaska, which means the land of the people. And Nupiaq in southwest Alaska is um, land of the people. And the Aleutians and Kotiak Islands and the Komchaka Peninsula, a Chukchi Peninsula. So it's really, really big land we have. Right, right. And, and you yeah, and your particular family goes back, you were just saying before we came on, thousands of years. Yes. 
we, we never knew how old we were, but now the scientists have tested it that, uh, and say about 6,000 years. So I'm a very old man, but I do use L'Oreal, as you can see. <laughs> so I don't look so old. So, and I had to apply it five times a day just to look younger. Anyway. <laughs> So, but but we was so so you were just sharing. Can, can you show us one of these wind drums? You just you just have them off camera, right? Mm -hmm. let, let me just let me just show you. You know the wind drums is like the when you hold it. Oh yeah, I can I can feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can't hear it so much when you're, but we can hear the. We, I heard the the rumble when the when you banged it. And of course, as a traditional carrier, I had to greet you and the people who come to you and say, "Oh, oh, 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 oh." in your heart yeah wow uh, why the old people say that you and I we have become estranged from one another when we meet each other at downtown England we don't say good morning and we don't even recognize each other and we don't even say hello how's your family and that happens all over the world. And you ask the old people and say, what, 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 why do we do that? What happened? Because we have frozen in our heart. We have become frozen in our heart to such a degree that we don't recognize each other when we meet. It's so interesting a concept when I think about it, that because I've been now working in 75 countries and met millions and millions of people and realizing how far distant we have become as human beings. But because I, I, I live in the land where I had to depend on the animals, how far more advanced they are than you and I are. They recognize each other, they come and talk to each other, they come and smell each other. You and I, we don't do that. We don't even no. look into the eye of one another. And, and, that's, and, then, and then at the same time, we call ourselves be, have, having become civilized. But we do exactly the opposite of the civilization. Animals are far more advanced than you and I we are because they greet each other. 
It, and when you look at the, the dogs and cats you have in your country, they always come and smell at each other. And us as native people, we sniff at each other. You know that as Eskimo kiss. And we smell each other to see what kind of emotion you are in today. Mm. Because every emotion you have, your smell changes. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting because just recently, just a few years ago, scientists proved that you and I, we smell differently for every emotion we carry. And when I look at you, you're a young man, and I can see that you have many, many emotions. It's visible. And for all these emotions you have, you smell changes. I find it so interesting that my people knew that and the scientists acknowledged it. I think that, that kind of thing excites me. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have that expression in English, right? I, I smell fear, but I'd never considered it literally. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it does have, it is, it is so, it really is so that, that uh, for everything we have. Do you have family? Yes, I have two, two boys. Oh. Uh, twin boys, nearly five years old. Yeah. yeah. Learn to learn to smell the emotions. Right. I, I have four kids and six grandchildren. I know their emotions. It's huh. so interesting. But so, well, it's so it's so it's so interesting to say that because there's I, I pride myself on like training my kids to tell me how they're feeling. I hadn't considered that that's just like one mode of communication, right? Yeah. I hadn't considered that how they're smelling might tell me the same information. It is much easier for them to smell you than to tell you. Mm. Well, they're not they're small children still. And as they grow older, they will be able to tell you. And probably you and everyone else in, in your country, when you come home from school, you can feel the atmosphere of the house. If you can be free or it should be quiet, you know, because you can feel the emotions of your mom and dad and what's happening between these two adults. That goes for all of us. That that um, we can literally smell what's happening at home. Of course, we can hear it. We can feel it. We can see it. And we can smell it. Of course, we can hear. So all these things happen in the human. Everything happens. So I grew up in a household of eight kids, plus mom and dad. The way my mom and dad did differently is that every Wednesday, they were alone. They would kick eight kids out of the house and no grandchildren visiting. So they can be together. And uh, it's really interesting that after our father died, uh, we were sitting there with my mom and uh, eight of us. It doesn't happen very often because we travel a lot. And all the grandkids are playing and wife and husband are away, just her children, eight of them sitting there. So somebody asked my mom, how was our father to be married to? 
And then, of course, the silence falls upon, and you could hear the needle falling down on, on the snow. And we all looking at her and said, what is she going to say? And she looked at all of us one by one, and she says, you know, your father, he took me from here to hell. And then that silence became louder. And then she has an incredibly beautiful, serene smile on her and then back. And I wouldn't change one day. Mm. After 47 years of marriage, she told us that her husband, our father, took her from here to help and back. But she, as a woman, as a mother of the children, would not change one single day at the time. That's when I realized the depth of love one can have. It's so interesting. But we don't think of these kind of things anymore. Mm. We're busy with the with these things, you know, the, yeah, and then, the and then the, you know, then, then you come to a big city of Dubai and then you had to do something and, you know, things happened. And there was no time to be alone and contemplating, how was my day? I just lost my beautiful wife for 39 years, uh, four months, four and a half months ago, to, to Alzheimer's. And I realized I'm, as I'm sitting in my suite at the hotel that how much I miss listening to her and talking together, but asking each other, how was your day? How was it? Which brings me back to the title you have, Being Human. So... I'm really excited to be with you, but you better ask me questions. I, I cannot be the one to talk all the time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to interrupt you. Tell me about breaking the ice then, because I see a big part of my uh, experience over the last 10 years as 10 to 15 years, I've been doing a lot of work on myself as, as breaking the ice, as thawing the ice in my own soul yes. finding emotions you know it's interesting you observed i'm a man of many emotions I, i've been finding more emotions over this time what's yes. uh yeah what what does it take in your experience to break break the ice you know when i was young the on my on my uh i don't know 22nd birthday I flew from Copenhagen after breakfast to Greenland. I had my lunch. Then I flew to Canada on Baffin Island in Nunavut, in the Inuit land, and had dinner. That was my birthday gift to myself. I left my country to move to Canada. And that's 47 years ago, on November 2nd. So... But then I come home in April or May, May, and my mom and dad had decided that I would, that I would become a runner for the elders. Right. I, know, I know the story of the, the runners. The runners are the one who carries the news from your village to the next, telling them that 
that you have now two boys. No, then the family can know that you have two boys now. Oh, someone has passed on, and and then someone left, and so all the news uh, that happened before the internet. So the news travel by the runner. So they appointed me to be a runner for the elders of uh, New, the capital of Greenland. <clears throat> and it's really interesting. They tasked me to tell the world that the big ice is melting. And the big ice is really melting. When I was born for 74 years ago, it was on the average five kilometers thick. Now it's less than two kilometers. And, and, and it's really melting really, really badly. And then I had to tell the world about it. I had no idea how they had to do it. So I flew back to Canada after the visit with the elders. And then I had to figure things out. So I managed to get myself into New York City in August of 78. And I ended up being giving a talk to environmental meeting of some kind of United Nations subcommittee or something like that. And I told him what I have been asked to do, to tell that the ice is melting, the big ice is melting. That, that started to do in 1963, in the month of January and March of 1963. So, and I remember I got a standing ovation I say at least 10 to 15 minutes long. But the end result was that Angang is a Welsh, young, well-spoken Eskimo. That was in extent of what they heard me telling. It just went over their heads and then... So I went home and then I tell the elders, my mother and father organized it and then and, you know, I got standing ovation, I told him. Then I can hear my father saying, but did he hear you? I looked at my father and said, they came with standing ovation. And he was quiet for a while, but then interrupted me again as I'm talking to the elder and said, my son, did he hear you? Then I realized my father wanted to know if they heard the message. Of course they didn't. So I did that over and over, all over the world. I ended up being traveling to the United Nations and being elder for many, many gatherings. And and, uh, and one day I went home. I was My father had passed on. And I was really upset with myself. Because I, I, I felt like I was wasting my time of talking to people who don't take seriously about the climate change. So I decided that I'm going to go home to my mother because my father has passed on and I would sit down with her and I would tell her when the elders come that I cannot be around anymore. So, and it's really interesting. My mom had taken over my father's chair and so I'm sitting on her chair and she has tea and I have coffee and and then, then I said to my mother, 
because that evening we were going to have a meeting with the elders. I said to her, Mother, <laughs> I had decided that I need to quit. And she, then she got up. And I, I should know that when your mother gets up from her chair, you get up too because you're respecting mm. your, your parents. And then she stood in front of me and she's a small woman, beautiful, beautiful, small woman. And she took my hands and and we held hands together. And then and she, she said to me, no, no, she closed her eyes. So I closed my eyes. And she said to me, son, you're just going to have to change the ways. But I can hear that. I said, yes. You're going to have to learn to melt the ice in the heart of man. Only by melting the ice in the heart of man, man will have a chance to change and begin using his knowledge wisely. And then she finished. She was quiet. So I shook her hand and she opened her eyes and I and I looked at her and I said to her, how? And my mother being my mother, she closed her eyes, so I closed my eyes, and she repeated exactly the same thing. My son, you're just going to have to change the ways. You're going to have to learn to melt the ice in the heart of man. Only by melting the ice in the heart of man, man, like you and me, will have a chance to change and begin using our knowledge wisely. Then she shook my hands, gave me such the most beautiful smile, then she went to her kitchen to prepare for dinner. That's how it came about. So no matter where I go in the world now, I talk about melting the ice in the heart of man. Wow. And, and, and that, that woman of my mother, she had grade three education self-taught in reading and writing. And um, and she had she carried that incredible capacity to talk language. I could never comprehend how, she, where does she come from? How can she say things like that? Because I know it is true that you and I, we have become estranged to each other. We don't say good morning. We don't say, we don't even say hello when we meet on the street in London. We just walk by each other like the other one doesn't exist. And all over the world we do that. And she caused it to be that you and I, we have developed ice in our heart so thick that we cannot see each other. We cannot recognize each other. We cannot accept each other. And lo and behold, because of the politics of the world, we have become four different people again. In the East, when the sun rises and she leaves control of the earth, she becomes yellow. And now we know that through BBC that there are actually yellow people on this earth. And I've been to their countries. Beautiful, beautiful beings. Then in the south, when sunshine hides upon us, the old people say that the sun is always white. Now, because of the BBC, we realize that they're actually white people on this earth. Mm. And they are really beautiful people, and you should meet them. Then in the West, when the sun is setting, she's always red. And I'm one of these people. 
all the indigenous peoples of the earth, Aborigines in New Zealand, the, 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 in Australia, and Maoris in New Zealand, and the islands of Fiji, and the Lakotas in North America, and or Kontanawas in South America, and all the other tribes. And here in Dubai, the people of the sun, these are the indigenous people, be all red. Then at night, it's always black. And because of TV, we have realized that actually black people on the earth. And I visited the lands. They're incredible beings. But because the way we are with the frozen heart, we have now, again, become four different people. And if you ever go to that little country called United States of America, they're going through hell mm -hmm. with themselves. And this is 2022. And they're going through a fight inside themselves to recognize each other. And now in Europa, there's a fight between going on in Ukraine and Russia and the rest of Europe. We have never been so close to a war again, like 80 years ago. It's like we did not learn anything from our past. So what are we going to do? What is being a human? What does it really mean? My grandmother says that it's the circle. You saw that in my drum. The circle, which has no beginning, no ending, in which we all belong. The beauty of the circle is that we cannot see each other's backs. And the strength of the circle is that we can only see each other's beauty. It's like you and I and the rest of the earth, we left the circle. And so interesting, I grew up in the in the epidemic times of tuberculosis in Greenland. Right. And my grandmother would say, the greatest illness of mankind is not tuberculosis. Nay, she says, the greatest illness of mankind is that we backbite behind each other's backs. Yeah. So unbeknownst to you, somebody is speaking behind your back about you, putting you down, belittling you, or ignoring you. And we do that constantly. And I wonder, haven't we learned from yesterday? Haven't we learned how beautiful it is to have somebody in the middle of uh, Travolta Square, somebody saying, hey, uncle, let's go for a cup of English tea. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if somebody did that? Yeah, yeah. It, it would really bring you and I closer to each other and make us realize you are worth knowing as you are. So when I think about these teachings I come from, these are the things which makes me realize that I have so much work to do about myself. I had to become a better human being than yesterday or even this morning. Because now it's night here in, in, in uh, Dubai. 
And I, I really had to put myself together and say, this is Amara, and this is Richard. Now we have met each other. What is the best thing Richard and Angara can do? To sit down and talk, recognize each other as equals. And I pray to God that when you see me downtown where you live, you will say, oh, uncle, and invite me for a cup of coffee. Of course. But, but you know you know what I mean? That, yeah. That, that's the beauty of, of, of that being human. Because I thought about it because Anya wrote me that that's what will happen. So I was thinking, what am I going to say to someone, a person I never met before, and who's talking about being human? And I have traveled so much in my life. Uh, I, I, met, uh, I met somebody here in Dubai, somebody from... Um, the Kyrgyzstan. It's a country you don't hear about every day. Yeah. And and but I was the guest of the government to give a talk in Kyrgyzstan. And we went up to the big mountains of Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and China. Five kilometers thick at tall mountains, beginning of the Himalayas. And it was so incredible. These people, these three people, they look alike, but also different from each other. So beautiful to look at them. So an elder from the Kyrgyzstan brought a lamb, and we all sat together, and below us there's a big lake. And then he did his ceremony and said thank you to Allah. That's what he called it. And then, and in no time, the lamb was cooked and they were put on a huge silver thing. And there was rice and the vegetables that, and we ate with our fingers together, reaching over each other's arms and touching each other and saying, oh, and then an old man took my hands Oh, uncle, you feel good to touch. Then I did the same thing to him. Oh, you're right. You feel good too. So it just that simple connection enhanced the dinner in a language we couldn't understand each other. Far, far away from the land I come from. I think 14 hours time zone difference up in the mountains, mountain, and I never reached that far before in my life, and sitting with people who look like me, as native people, but who have a different life, live up way up in the mountains, and still connecting to each other. A little touch on a finger, mm. and a woman said, oh, you feel good. I, feel yeah. like I, was, I felt like I was at home in Greenland. Because when, we, when that happens, somebody will say, oh, you feel good today. Yeah. And we don't think about these things anymore. We have become so estranged from each other. Yeah, you're, it's so interesting as you speak. This is so simple. 
because I ask you that question and I, I yeah, I've got this expectation in my mind that you're going to elaborate some, uh, some set of ceremonies that's traditional mm. for Inuit that help you heal, you know, your hearts. Mm. And, and, and what you're talking about is so simple, looking at people in the eye, allowing yourself to touch others, inviting people for, for a tea or a coffee, like these, these tiny gestures that, yeah, that, that makes such a difference in building connection with each other. Um, that, yeah, that, yeah yeah it's so interesting i'm sort of you know the way that you're challenging my prejudice about how you know melting our hearts is this you know this involved investment you know of, of great effort and of course yeah that may be part of it but also it's these mm-hmm. these simple simple actions and it reminds me of funnily enough a piece of research you were familiar with pret-a-manger it's a chain of like coffee shops in in the uk yeah. um that I, I think I'm right in saying that one of the things that the study they conducted or, 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 or policy was just to encourage the staff at this coffee shop to, to touch each other, right? Mm-hmm. Just like it's okay, like to, to, you know, pat each other on the back or touch each other, you know, during the course mm-hmm. of the day as part of, as part of your, you know, interacting with your, your teammates, with your colleagues. And they saw this huge increase in like the happiness of their staff and the quality of customer service and so on and so on. From this very simple policy and uh yeah that's just for me just 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 came to mind as another like indicator of how how we've lost that in our culture and how easy it is to bring it back and when we bring it back what a difference it makes mm-hmm. you know you you heard about the eskimo case and you haven't you yeah yeah it, it it's not nose to know that only happens in a small country called hollywood <laughs> a tiny, tiny country in, in uh, I think only a couple of blocks size of a country in uh, California. They, they rock noses. We don't do that. We sniff at each other, as I told you before, to be able to smell the emotions of a person you met. I grew up in that world where everybody embraced and smelled each other. And the animals we live with, huskies, the dogs, the milk, the big one, the husky, dog sled, they do the same like we do. And when you observe the seals in the ocean, they do the same. In the springtime, when May comes, the smallest dolphin will come, black and white one, and they smell each other. And the big whales, the blue whales, they do the same. And then the walking ones, caribou and the muskox and arctic hare and the foxes and wolves, they do the same. And then the flying ones, from the big eagles to the smallest, they touch each other. They smell each other. So, so we do that. And we do that to understand how, how, how you are right now. So we smell you. Now the science has proven that it is true. Our emotions change and our smell change. So, so we still do that. And I'm so happy that I had the freedom around the world. That I just go up and smell them. Then I just tell them, oh, you didn't have a shower this morning. And then he said, no, I had a shower. And then, then connection is made which lasts forever. 
And I had that privilege of, of being with people you, you can't even imagine. There, yeah, that you know, one day I've landed from Montreal to the Kaluit Nubafin Island, and uh, somebody comes up, Uncle, 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 Nelson Manila is coming, he wants to meet you. Have you heard about Nelson Mandela? Uh, yeah, I, I heard the name. Oh, okay. So, so I never met him. So, and I, I tried to ask him how come he's coming to our village, but he was busy. He was working for the hospital and had patients to take care of. Disappeared. So, my wife and I we went home and then and we unpacked and then then I started to make phone calls. She. Is it true that Nelson Mandela is coming? Yeah, it is true that he's going to come at uh, 6.30 p.m. in the e- early evening of 6.30 on his way to England from Los Angeles. So, because I'm the elder, so I carry my drums and then I went to the airport, to the lounge, for VIP lounge, and the commissioner... Mikito, she and I be waiting for Nelson Mandela to show up. And the police, RCMP. And we waited and we waited and we waited. Then people went home because Nelson Mandela was delayed. Many, many, many hours. I think about nine hours later, he was coming. So I went back, back to the airport. And Commissioner and I, we were alone with some RCMP and airport employees. So we were asked to go out and they opened it airplane and Nelson Mandela took up at the door of the airplane. So I went up to him and I greeted him. I took his hands, I touched my heart and he bent down to give me a hug. So I smelled him, and it connected us. And it's so interesting that little smelling of one another caused us to have a conversation for an hour and a half. Amen. And then, of course, I did my ceremony with North Mandela and his wife, Winnie Mandela, and his family. And... Um, as we sat there, Winnie Mandela took the commissioner to another room with the rest of the family. And Nelson Mandela, we were sitting alone with the police behind us. And we were holding arms together like that. And then uh, he said, Uncle, and he kept looking at my drums. Uncle, can I try? He said, Of course you can try. Of course. So I, we got up and then he got up and I instructed him what to do. And then he can hear the echo when he talks. And he closed his eyes and, and for quite some time. And he put down the drum and said, I would like to sing my grandmother's song. Then he put the drum again up to his ears and 
And you could see he was thinking, because I'm standing in front of him. And he put it down and said, oh, I have not been singing for 38 years. Then he started, and instantly he started to cry. It took him a long time to finish his song, song of his grandmother. He had not been singing for 38 years. And he was just crying and crying, very loud. And when Mandela comes through the door and says, what? Really loud. I just said, so the whole family said, stand there with the commissioner. And then he finished. And he, and he looked at me. Can I sing one more? Mm. So he sang another song. He cried, but he didn't weep. And after that, we sat down again, and we all holding arms. And he say, what a beautiful thing to remember my grandmother. Of all the worlds, he did that in the far, far, far north of Canada. And then he said, because he knows that I'm from Greenland, he said, don't be like us. He said, and I'm looking at him, excuse me, don't be like us, don't do like we did. Our land is very, very rich. And we made agreement that they can take the riches out. Only condition they pay us. And he says, my people are still underground the earth, aching for the riches of the earth. But we are still the poorest of the poor. He says, your land, Greenland and Nunavut, are very rich. Do not be like us. Now that I'm going to go home now next month back to Greenland because my wife died, so I, I'm going to go back to our home in Greenland. And uh, and I think about that moment when Nelson Mandela told me that do not be like us because Jeff Bezos, Bezos and Bill Gates just bought a mine for $1 billion on my land. And not one single native person is working. So I need to go home and tell them that they cannot do that. Yeah. Why? Because the people, the indigenous people, has the right for the land and what she brings. But in the rest of the world, you can just buy it and take it away. And, and that's what they did in South Africa. So I really had to listen to my elder Nelson Mandela. So I'm going home. I'm going to celebrate New Year's. Our New Year is March 21. That's when the sun shines first time on the North Pole. Oh. Yeah, so, so that's our New Year. So I will go home and do the ceremony on my ancestral land. And... Uh, and I had to take on the responsibility to relate myself to my government as human to human and say, we cannot repeat what others have gone through. 
you cannot just give away the riches of the land. The only payment you do is taxes. And we, then we will repeat what South Africa went through and we cannot do that. So those are the things I have to face, not because I'm special, but I'm the elder. I'm now an old man. Uh, now I really have to live up to my responsibility and I have to change myself so I can relate better to people like you in the world. I'm no different than anybody else. You are no different than anybody else. But together, we could open up the world like a beautiful flower. Can you imagine? Hmm. Instead of peeling off the, the leaves or the, the flower, we can witness a blossoming in our hearts. Anything else you want to know? How do you follow that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, what, what can I say to that? Mm. We're talking about, yeah, connect, connection, connect. That's what I get. Connect connection to to my heart allows me to connect to your heart. And if we create a world where, I mean, this all sounds so cheesy at one level, but at another level, it's so profound that yeah. if if we each of us take on that responsibility to connect to our own hearts mm -hmm. and find ways to connect to the hearts of others, we do create, we do create a different world. Can, can, can you imagine to connect with each other on a different level? Mm. Not just by handshake. Yes. Over the embrace and looking eye to eye. And with a gentle sniff to the kin, I say, oh, you're okay, I'm okay. Yeah. And that moment will create a ripple effect around the world where we realize this, we live just on this earth, all of us. We don't need another war to see who's strongest. We don't need more money than we already have. We should learn to uh, walk on Mother Earth with gentle feet. And if when you come to my, my land, Greenland, I will be at the airport and I will take you to the oldest crust of Earth, which is my land. And the only land on earth where people live, where there has never been war. The only land on earth where people live, 
where there has never been war. And she happened to be the oldest cost of earth. So when you walk on her, you will feel connected to Mother Earth. And the only thing she knows is peace. Which reminds me, um, in the United States, as she traveled for the elders, in the old days, I call it the Christmas cards. It was before you were born. You probably remember some of them, you know. And so I, I buy Christmas cards and I distribute them to the elders and they don't understand it. And and I remember in my mom and dad's little house, all these elders with cigars and cigarettes and coffee. You can hardly see anything because of the smoke in those days. And, and then this old man sitting there, 90-some years old, he asked me, can you, can you read this? What does it say? It says, Merry Christmas. And, and peace on earth. So I translated to him. Then he looked at me with the most amazing look. And he said, my son, do these people only want peace on Christmas Day? I didn't know exactly how to reply to that. But he did not know war. But on the Christmas card, it says, Peace on Earth, Merry Christmas. For him, it was like whoever printed these things that they want, don't want war on that day. And for him, that sounded strange. I remember running out of words to say to him. And it saddens my heart now because now we're back into that world where the biggest industry on earth, war machines, is being prepared. Without taking into consideration your family, my family, and the families of others. And the war machines are much bigger now than they were 80 years ago. And we don't stop them. Then, of course, climate change is not helping either. The big ice is melting really, really bad. I have a river, summer river, as the ice melts on, and it comes down on my land. That little river will run more than one million liters per second from the melting of the big ice. Then down 30 some kilometers down the, the, uh, from the mountains, she meets another river. And by the time it comes out to the ocean, that those two rivers combined runs more than two million liters per second. And there are more than 10,000 rivers like that. So you and I have done something to Mother Earth and we can no longer control it. Not that we've been able to control it, but the way we lived has caused all this to happen. 
so much that Western Europe will disappear. And I'm in a big city of Dubai. In 10, 15 years, most of the city will be underwater. I attempt to explain to people, but it flies over their head, you can see that. You heard about climate change, but they are at, at the loss of what to do about it. I say it's change. You cannot change the earth, it's too late, where you can change yourself. And the last thing I want to tell you is um, our beloved grandmother, her name is Anna Kassan. She was last in West Greenland, a true medicine woman. She was a doctor. So many people will come to her. And then, uh, Then she said, um, that a big river will come. And every spring, lakes, frozen lakes, water will become, some come back, water will become warmer and it explodes the ice. And rivers will open, and we will be down at the bottom of it, catching as many fish as we can, because we've been living on seals. So time for have some good fish. But because the way you and I we are, and often we're not careful enough, that we will slip on, on a slippery rock, and we will fall down to the river. And then my grandmother said, do not jump after Richard. If you jump after Richard, you too will become the food for the river. And we look at her and she says, no, learn to say thank you to Richard. Tell him what a gift he's been to us. How much he had changed our lives. How much benefit we had from him. And tell him how much you love him. And then wish him wherever he's going, then you run up the hill. The world which will come after that needs you. Now I'm a grandfather. I'm going to become a great-grandfather now. And I talk, I don't know how many times in my life I have told this being we call God. In, in our language, we don't have God. It doesn't exist the man who made us, the creator. I told him, don't you ever that, that don't you ever let that happen to me. And I told my grandmother when she was living to that. I was not a father yet then, but I love my family, so I would jump up something. But she had the most beautiful, serene smile on his face. Don't jump. The moment you do, you too will become food for the river. So it's really interesting. Now, because of climate change, big rivers are now existing. And the last one in my mother's family, my oldest cousin from my mother, three summers ago, he became the food for the river. 
fishing. Right. And everyone else, they know the teachings. Just, they all stood there, told him how much they love him. What a difference he's done to their lives. And they all wished him well wherever he's going. And hours later, some kilometers away from the, the river, in the ocean, they found his body. That was my cousin. So when the big river comes, don't do that. But let your family know how much you love them, what a difference they've done. But they deserve to know how much you love them. Yeah. The rivers are coming all over the world. You know, there's starvation still. One man is $300 billion worth. The difference is between for not being able to heat and not knowing what to do with the money. You know, it's imbalances enormous everywhere on earth. And somehow I feel you and I, our responsibility is to create that balance like an eagle. If the left wing, which is spiritual wing, and the right wing, which is physical wing, if they're not equally strong, my grandmother says, the eagle can never lift. Right. That means you and your wife, if you're not equally strong, you cannot lift your family. Once airborne, she says, one day mom will be much, much stronger than you. She's a mother or your children. And the other day, you will be more stronger than her. But when you had to land to this earth again, with your family, if the wings are not equally strong, they will crash. And today, we know it as a divorce. Yeah. And how many divorces have we gone through in our lives? Yeah. So, so we have much to learn from those ancient teachings. And my prayer tonight is that our little conversation will make everyone understand being a human has no color. It doesn't have a language. It doesn't have a tradition. What she has is a beauty. And everyone with any exception on earth, how beautiful beings. Oh, 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 oh.
I'm so happy to meet you. Hmm. My greetings to your family. Yeah. And tell them uh, that you found a new uncle who look forward to English tea and a cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that was beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I felt the beauty in your being. And you shared that. And I really had to feel my, my, my tummy relax. Like I could, I could feel the tension in me and I really had to let, let go of a lot to let you in right then. And, uh, and as I did, I, uh, yeah, I really felt moved. I look forward to meeting you one day. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I, 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 I'd love to and, meet you. And, 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 I think somebody's inviting me to England this summer. Okay. Somewhere, not somewhere. So, so, so if you see me downtown London, <laughs> so you, owe me a, you, owe me, you owe me English tea. You owe All right. me English tea. That's a deal, Uncle. That's a deal. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I feel so, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy so to moved. meet you. So moved. Thank you oh. so much. Um, yeah. Thank you. And, and, and remember, as my grandmother says, life is a ceremony in itself, worthy celebrating for the ceremony, which means you and your family are worth celebrating every single day, and particularly yeah. as a father, celebrate your kids. I do the same. As okay. we say in my language, Oyana, which means Oyana. thank you. Oh. Oyana. Well, no, Oyana to you, uh, uh, Oyana to you, Uncle. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com dot com.